Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. Hey, you guys, you know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. I am on the road a lot in March and April and uh, not May, not May yet. So if you want to, I suppose you could book me in May uh, or I could sit around in my house and re- regroup. But uh, go to JackieCation.com and look at my schedule if you want to find out because it's like Austin and Salt Lake City and Portland and New York City might be over by the time this posts, but... And Seattle, definitely, because it's the day before Valentine's Day in real time. But I'm sitting here with a very nice gentleman. We're not going to talk about love. We're going to talk about games. The Oh, the credits. There we go. Is Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Vilmos fixes the website. He has his own web uh, podcast called Green Room Radio. You could listen to that. He just did an episode. You heard all about his podcasts. And then, uh, oh, Mike Rickbert sang the song you just heard. He'll sing again at the end. There's a donation button. Feel free to use it. I'm going to be traveling a lot and not making uh, some money in New York. So if you like the show, throw me 25, 100 bucks or send me two bucks for a magnet. And if you send me two bucks for a magnet and I'm on the road, it's going to take a week or two. Or if you order stuff and I'm on the road, it'll take an extra uh, until I get home to send it out. Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirts now available, now union made, made in America and also by a union. Remember those guys? The union. Uh, and then the CDs, of course, are also available. Longest, longest intro ever sitting across from me. Friend of my husband's now a friend of mine because we have our friends now. Graydon Schlichter, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jackie. It's nice to be here. Excellent. <laughs> there we go. We met because of, of games. When we met, it was murder. When we met, it was board games, right? Yeah. Uh, lots of games that, in fact, uh, I've been playing games with, uh, with your husband for Years and years, ever since I came to L.A. Ever since. 2001, you said, right? That's right. All September right. 21st. I'm glad you didn't say September 11th. No, 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 no. 2001, uh, you just flew right in. You said to yourself, did you live in New York? And you said, I got to move? No, I, I started a cross-country drive on, oh gosh, September 5th, I think. From where? Uh, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania uh, is where I grew up and uh, where I was coming from. But I Is went- that near the third plane that went down? <sighs> Not, uh, a couple hours, a okay. couple hours southeast. Um, but you know, back there, it's it was all very concentrated. Um, oh right, uh, everybody lives on top of each other in Pennsylvania. Though there is farmland, there's lovely farmland. Yeah, a town I grew up in, more cows than people. More cows than people. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds good. It does. It does sound good. And Pennsylvania, yeah, I think of the Liberty Bell. I think of the Incline. I think of uh, your major cities in Pennsylvania. I also think of Slippery Rock because my sister-in-law went there for college. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. She's from Pennsylvania. She also says pumpkin. Oh. Instead of pumpkin. Yeah. No, I. I think her town had more um, of everything than people. <laughs> her town <laughs> didn't have very many people in it. She's she's farm people. Mm. So Pennsylvania, good, good, good folk, salt of the earth, very lovely. So you moved here uh, to play board games or to act? That's right. You came here to run up the flagpole, much like myself, to see if anybody gave a damn. You got it. Uh, and uh, did you have a law degree then? No, no. When I came out here, I was uh, 22 years old, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and uh, was prepared to take the L.A. voice acting world by storm. Turns out, L.A. voice acting world. Didn't really know who I was, and I didn't know how to make him take notice because I was right. Right. I like that it was very specific. It's like the voice acting world is going to get to know me in a minute. Okay. So did you get in with those? Because Andy and you are a member of that Enigma group. That's right. I'm Enigma adjacent, adjacent, which is the Enigma is the sci-fi gaming group from UCLA, right? That's right. Now, technically, I never went to UCLA. But when I moved out here, uh, I did what every nerd does when he gets to a new town. I Googled... Note to people that are moving. (laughs) I Googled uh, gaming, actually. And the UCLA club came up uh, as the number one hit in Los Angeles gaming. Okay. Uh, And so I think I went to my first meeting less than a week after I got here. You were like, oh my God, I need someone to play with. I need a play date, hardcore. I didn't know anybody out here when I moved here. And in fact, I was living with a cousin at the time whom I had never met. He uh, he found out I was moving out here, and he said, sure, of course I can give you a place to stay. Aw, 
Nice family. Fantastic. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, he put me up for eight or nine months while I got wow. settled in. He gave me a job uh, wow. for a lot of that time. So yeah, it was made the whole transition a lot easier. And mm-hmm. then I met Enigma and suddenly I had a social group. So my move was a lot easier than most people's, I think. That's great. That's So the thing is, is so you end up, you game, so you board game, you tabletop game, the RPG. Did you always, did you do that when you were growing up? Did you D&D it and all yep. that? Much to my mother's eternal chagrin. Because? Uh, uh, she, did she want a football player? No. She, she got to be 5'9", <laughs> right? If, like, 5'8"? With my genetics, that wasn't going to happen. Right. My, my dad's about 5'10", but mom is 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, right. So, all things considered, I did okay, size-wise. Right, you're adorable. I'm not saying anything about <laughs> you. It's all working out for you. But, you know, my folks didn't really understand uh, the whole role-playing game thing. So... Uh, they were not huge fans of it. Mm-hmm. They didn't discourage it as heavily as, say... Oh, right, right, like people do. Yeah, it wasn't, you know... You can't do this because you're going to hell. Right. It was it, just, son, shouldn't you be doing something more constructive with your time? You know what? I feel like all parents say that. Depend- it doesn't even matter what you do. It's true. My, my brother's uh, kids, he wants them to be big sports kids. And he's always telling me about their sports and academic triumphs. I went and visited them. Huge Skyrim players. <laughs> and I was like, how come you never mentioned that they play Skyrim? That's a game that's at least four to 12 hours a day if you're allowed. And he goes, yeah, I don't approve of that. I don't approve of that. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what level they are and whatever thing that they're doing on that. And <laughs> so, yep. yeah, so it might not have been, but she didn't stop you. She just sort of mocked you a little bit. Right. And it was, I mean, it was all my cousin's fault, really. I was 10 or 11 years old. Right. And he showed up one day with this suitcase, uh, briefcase full of D&D books. Ooh. And he said... Uh, what level, if I might ask? Oh, this was this was original D&D stuff and some first edition advanced D&D stuff. Okay. So this is these are all books that were uh, at least as old as I am, mm-hmm. <laughs> or was at the time. Mm-hmm. So he shows up and he says, Graydon, I've graduated from college. I need to leave childish <laughs> things behind. Wow, I, it's Toy Story 3. It is exactly. It is exactly what he said. So he gave me the books. He didn't give me the, the briefcase, which was too bad, because it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, but he gave me these things. He said, have fun with them. Uh, and one day you two will pass grow up. these on. Exactly. You'll grow up, you'll mature, you'll move on. Well, it has not occurred. It has not occurred in nature. Uh, not quite. I mean, right. I have moved on to future editions of those games. <laughs> so maybe that's what he meant. Yes, that's exactly what he meant. Um, yeah, cause, well, let's talk about, cause you make games now too, in addition to, like all enigmas, they're just like, yeah, but I bet you, because w- once you get into that tabletop role playing things, when you're the game master, when you have to make the game for tabletop ga- role playing games, you learn how to make games, right? Is that what it is? It's tabletop RPG is a combination of storytelling and mechanical understanding. Okay. And, you know, everybody. And game mechanics are the, are, are, are one of the things you learn. Right? Absolutely. You have to, if you don't understand how the mechanics of the game are going to affect what your players try to do, then you can't really plan for what's going to happen. Right. Because yeah. the story's fun. And, and I do want you to describe the building that we just walked into, but not in excruciating detail, because I want to stab something at some point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? Knowing your players is really the key, too. Uh, if you have players who are mostly interested in stabbing things, then don't bore them to tears with the architectural history of the... Right. 4,000-year-old dungeon that they're crawling Which through. is awesome. It's an awesome 4,000-year-old dungeon. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I play, you know, that, that Eberron game with uh, that Andy runs with Lee and Kevin Flanagan, uh, Lee Bennett, Kevin Flanagan, and John Thompson. Mm-hmm. John Thompson used to be the IT guy for the Navy. How crazy. I mean, these guys have some dork cred coming out of their earballs. Yeah. And Flanagan, as I believe, the, one of the IT guys for E-Network and Lee works on the Hubble telescope. So, I mean, it's like he works at Jet Propulsion Labs and NASA. So, But Lee really likes the political, mm-hmm. like the political intrigue of yeah. of of the game. When he, I mean, he does, it's not that they all don't want to beat things up and roll the bodies, but it's... You know, what are the consequences going to be if we ally with these guys? Yes. And what if we push forward this underground organization in Sharn? And, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And one of the tricks is when you've got a guy who's into that stuff, how right. do you keep him satisfied while everybody else who's like, yeah, politics, that's great. That tells us who it is we're going to kill. Right, right. right? I get, I'm going to fight that guy anyway. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, so that's fascinating. And so that, 
is that what sort of led you to go, well, I could make a game game? Like, actually, a little bit, yes. I've, you know, all of us who play these games tweak things from time to time. We make adjustments, what what some people call house rules, right? Oh, right. To make right, it right. better for our table. Um, but what actually got me involved with Evertide Games uh, was... Is there an Evertide Games uh, website? Evertidegames.com? You are psychic. Right on. All right. Good I, to know. Good to know. Writing I, it down. <laughs> I promise. I didn't tell her that before we started. No, no. That not was... at all. Oh, we will be plugging things. <laughs> because you guys are going to do a Kickstarter thing to, to to one of the games that you're working on, you want to actually produce in mass. And so you're doing a Kickstarter campaign to that's do right. that. Right? That, yeah, that's absolutely right. Because Kickstarter is this fantastic tool where you can figure out whether anybody is interested in what you want to create. Right. Right. So and... we're really excited about that. Um, and that's going to be... Probably our either our first or second uh, self-published launch this year. Right, we've got two things that are sort of working. Uh, they're they're on parallel tracks to get. It's going to be a race to see which one of them gets to the marketplace first. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is actually the project that got me involved with Evertide Games to begin with. Okay. So at the risk of telling you how to build a watch when you ask me what time it is, right. I, will, I will sketch this out <laughs> as quickly as I can. Go for it. Own uh, it, brother. This is your time to shine. So there is this fantastic online computer game that I love called The Kingdom of Loathing. Okay. And it is uh, this great parody of all things dorkdom. It, it is ostensibly a fantasy role-playing game. Okay. But they make fun of, you know, Traditional fantasy tropes like Final Fantasy games and Dungeons and Dragons, but Star Trek gets made fun of in okay. there. Nothing is sacred. Everything is every sacred uh, cow of geekdom, dorkdom, and nerddom yep. is slaughtered. Yep. Uh, I will allude to the furry giant and okay. say no more about it. <laughs> the Kingdom of Loathing. That's right. The Kingdom of Loathing dot com. And one day I was listening to their podcast because uh, they do a couple of podcasts every week, and uh, somebody wrote into their radio show and said, hey, you guys should do a board game or a card game or something. We would love that. And it's, uh, why haven't you done that? And essentially the guys said, you know, we would love to do that too, but we're kind of busy. <laughs> right, right. If, if I wanted to do that, that my, I would do it actually, just because your plate is full with everything that you have time to do. And it's not that it's not a great idea. It's just that you don't have any room. Exactly. And so what happened was I emailed uh, CEO of Evertide Games, who's a longtime friend of mine and also an enigma, uh, Richard James. And I said, hey, Rich, I got a design challenge for you. Uh, can we create a game? Actually, I wasn't even thinking I'd be involved in it. What I said was, can you create a game to match this IP? Uh, and then we pitch it to them and, and say, isn't this awesome? You guys should, we should partner up on this. Right. Do you have any money <laughs> to pay us to make this game? But we will make this game. Actually, we just wanted to, I just wanted to see the game made and, you know, worry about the, the business end of it later. Cause at oh, the really? time, yeah. Cause at the time I was just a fan with an idea and Rich said, that's a great idea, Graydon. Why don't we do this? And I went, Oh, I, I guess I just signed up for something. So Rich and I spent uh, a month in brutal, uh, brutal design mode where we just, we would design a version of the game and look at it and say, nope, that's not right. And we would refine it. Was this it. the first game that you've ever designed to this level? Yeah. It's the first, the first, uh, card game. It's, it's actually a card game. It's the first card game that I've designed, uh, co-designed even from scratch to finished product. And we spent a month doing this, getting it ready, refi- uh, refining it, trying to adjust it, make it, make it interesting because we, we gave ourselves this month deadline because the guys at Kingdom of Loathing do a convention every uh, August for their fans. They, or September, I guess, for their fans. Let's uh, Everybody who wants to come out to Arizona, we'll party for a few days, we'll hang out. It'll be great. And we thought, well, that's the time to show them the game. So furiously creating, designing. Suddenly it's three days before the convention. We're plate testing. It's almost there, but it's not quite right. We do... One final revision. Actually, Rich does a final revision of the game while I am driving to Mesa, Arizona. He emails the files to another guy, uh, another uh, element of Evertide Games, Jason Schissel, uh, a.k.a. Prime, who lives in that Arizona. That guy's nickname is Prime. <laughs> anyway, go. Yeah, and he, he printed out the prototype, met me in Mesa. Right. And uh, played it with some folks to sort of get a sense of how the community liked it. Because that's what you do. You play test. That's you what you got to do. You got to test it out. See if you're like, are you willing to sit through this game? I know you want to play Settlers, but uh, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to play this game I made. And the crazy thing is, uh, actually, some of the big, big budget marketed games, mm-hmm. 
I'm not so sure they actually play tested them, but but uh, I won't mention feel, any names. Does it feel like they're not play testing it? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it happens. Sometimes they're paying eleven dollars to people to come and play test something. If you can get your real friends who play a lot of games to play test something, like I, I did a podcast the other night, and it was um, I didn't know the podcast was we sat there and played a game, oh, and cool. then we talked about there was like they, they introduced one topic. It's called. Uh, pizza games and everything. Ah, uh, why don't I, why don't I remember the name of whatever the hell I did? But, uh, it's great. It's Sax Car and Sam and Zach and Chan. They all have the same name, essentially. Sax, Chan, Sam, and Zach. Uh, yeah, it's the same name. And, but we sat there and they introduce a question. The question that they asked us is, um, when do you prepare for the zombie apocalypse? And do, is it, it's announced on television, zombies are coming. Is that when you do it? Or is it like an earthquake quit kit where you have it all prepared? And do you believe the news when they say they're in Cleveland? It could happen at any minute. When does the looting begin? Whatever. So that's the question. But we sat there and we played Quarriers. Have you played that oh, game yet? I have not had a chance yet, but I really want to give it a try. Yeah, because it's like a dice card game, Magic the Gathering, but not really, but with dice. And so a little simpler. It was a little fiddly the first time we played it. Um, mm-hmm. and everybody who commented on it, cause they, they live stream it video so that you can watch the game. <laughs> I mean, the thing was much more complicated than let's say the dork forest, mm. which is let's just sit here and talk about what kind of games you like and, uh, or whatever, you know, Japanese sneakers. Let's do this. Who collects butterflies? Anybody like fish? Okay. <laughs> So, but the couriers, like the camera was set to look at the game and a couple of people were like, we can't tell how you, how the game is played. Like you didn't really describe it well and stuff like that. Mm, okay. But we, then we rated it at the end and essentially just told people to go get the game. Yeah, it was really fun. Would have been great if we would have, you could have had part, part in that. Nope. Didn't get really get it. Okay. Fair enough. It was fun. You should get it. So, but, but the play testing is imp- like, it's important to play test with people. I think that play games because yeah. then. Absolutely. And so that's uh, that's what I've been doing with this game since Arizona because we met with the guys at uh, the Kingdom of Loathing and they they really liked it. They they good. It, they said, "Yeah, let's this sounds like a good thing. Let's 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 it, do this." Do they have any money? Well, you know, they they actually nope. do. No, 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 it's it's funny. They actually do pretty well. They so it's a it's a small company that only does this one game right now. They've got some other projects in the pipeline. Oh, uh, is it available on their website? Uh, it will be okay. It's that's still, what's it's, yeah. it's still in development. So this is yeah. the first game of their of their empire. Uh, the, yeah, the first the first uh, like tabletop style game. But right, they've right. been doing this computer game, The Kingdom of Loathing, since two thousand three. Oh, really? And it, it started out as this one guy is like, you know what? This would be kind of funny if I did this. And so in his spare time, you know, nights and weekends, he started coding this thing. He made a Flash game or something, or it's it's a browser game. It's okay. not Flash. Uh, Java. Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, you have hit my one great weakness as a as a dork, which is I'm not so computer languagey good. Oh my god, uh, that's this is me just having access to those words. Don't worry. Oh, it's a wait, no PHP. That's a thing, oh, right? Right, right. PHP is a thing. It's that's, a PHP game. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Kingdom of Loathing video game. Uh, but from right. it being this this thing that this guy is doing part time, you know, just because he thinks it's cool, it's now a company with like. I don't know, six or eight full-time employees. Okay. So like it's, it's doing a, updates of it's that, still deal. that one game and yeah. And oh, they, nice. they've got something else that they're working on that I, think I'm sure, I'm sure is, they, yeah. 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 They're mostly, mostly secret. So I won't, non disclosure, non disclosure. Yeah. No worries. But, but they're really excited about the card game too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, we've been talking to them back and forth. You know, they've been, uh, they've been really great helping us with art. They've done some original writing for the card game because, mm-hmm. you know, the one of the strength, one of the many strengths of, their game is it's really funny it's brilliant copy right uh and so they've been doing some of that stuff for us and you know they've been playing the game a little bit and giving us important feedback but then i've also got a group here in la that i play with as often as i can right Uh, and it's really been an interesting process to see the game go from so it's a card game is it magic-y or is it um like guillotine or guillotine oh very nice depending Uh, on your french accent yes my french accent (laughs) is excellent if i were a boy i'd have a penis anyway got it okay Mm -hmm. um obligatory dick joke no go ahead perfect uh (laughs) it's sort of its own animal actually one of the some of the feedback that we keep getting when people play it for the first time is 
wow, this is actually an original, an original concept. So people aren't really sure what, uh, what hole to, to put it in, in terms of what kind of game. What I tell people is. I'm not trying to box you in, man. <laughs> Let's just hear it. Uh, what I tell people is it's a, it's a deck management game or hand management game because on each turn, you've got a bunch of cards in your hand that you can use to do stuff. And at the end of the, at the end of your turn, you're going to keep some of those cards, um, as well as some cards that you pull from the middle, and you're going to get the benefit of those cards for the rest of the game. But then you have to give the deck back and take one of the other decks. And so gradually, you know, at the beginning of the game, each of these decks has 10 cards in it, and they're sort of flexible in terms of what you can do. As the game goes on, what you can do with each deck gets more and more limited because cards are getting taken out by you and by other players. And so it's... it's How long does it last? Uh, right now it is about 40 to 50 minutes. Okay. Less uh, than an hour. Always yeah, good. Getting in less than an hour. It's actually one of the, one of the recent changes was, you know, it was clocking in at about 90 minutes and I thought, you know, that's, that's just too long. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta tighten that up. Exactly. It's, uh, I'm, it's not that I don't like board games and card games and video, you know, I, I like all that stuff, but I do want it to be like the, the game, the intro game that Enigma got me into gaming with, that Andy got me, was I went over to the Adler's house and we played Apples to Apples. And I had never played <laughs> Apples to Apples. And Apples to Apples is three minutes around, you know? Everybody gets to be hilarious uh, all around the circle. Everybody gets their moment in the sun. And the whole game is over, depending on how much you want to chitter-chat in between rounds, uh, within an hour. Yeah. In fact, Apples to Apples is one of those great games that is exactly as long as you want it to be. Because, right. You know what? If if everybody's had enough fun, you can box it up and put it away. If people are having a great time, you just keep going. Oh, right, because it's, it's like if you have four green cards, then you win. Or you want to keep just going, and then everybody has to get eight green cards or whatever. Yeah. And-, and if somebody is like, you know, I've had enough, somebody can leave the game, and it doesn't mess anything up. The rest of the players oh, right. can just keep going. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a wonderful party game and really sort of fills that niche. Mm-hmm. I played... Way too much of it um, right before I moved out here. So mm-hmm. when I was living back east. And for the first couple of years that I was out here, people would pull it out at parties. And I'd be like, you know, I think I'm still burned out on this. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. But finally, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm like, all right. I You're now, back? I, I, I'm back. I appreciate I appreciate the cleverness and the fun. And Rich the Summer says he can't play Settlers. He's like, everybody's like, there's, there's two different kinds of, there's three different kinds of people who play board games. Cause he's a giant board game guy. <laughs> and he said, there's the guys who talk about Monopoly and Parcheesi and life and, and risk and all the original games from when we were kids. And he's like, and those people usually don't like board games because those board games are very hard to like. And yeah. then <laughs> if those are the only board games you're playing, they're terrible games. And then he said, and then there's the people that discovered Settlers of Catan. And all they want to do is play Settlers of Catan. And they like board games because they found one that they liked. Yep. But they should really broaden their their appeal. And then there's people who like like weird, you know, him, him he himself likes stuff that's super fiddly, like that Descent into Hell game. Did you ever play that? It's seven the seven rings of Dante's Inferno. And oh. it's got a million chits. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, not chits. <laughs> Stop pulling out little tiny uh, cardboard squares. I'm going to cut myself. And yeah, it's, so there are games like it's what funny. are your favorite ones? Oh, gosh. Uh, so just to hit a couple of highlights. Um, actually, just yesterday, I played a game of Chaos in the Old World. No. Which is Yeah. It's so if you're into Warhammer, which some people are, it's it's all of the Warhammer fluff. The evil, oh, yeah? Yeah, the evil chaos <laughs> gods are trying to corrupt the world. But instead of most games where you play the hero trying to stop them, yeah. no, no, no. Each player is one of the chaos gods. And it's literally, I want to be the one who trashes the world the fastest and the worst. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's really sounds great. Oh, and it's a ton of fun. It's, um, it's a, an asymmetric area control game. So the, each player has different powers, different figures, uh, unique cards that they play okay everyone sort of gets their own giant character yeah okay it's it's very much like that and it's all about you know looking at the old world and the different countries in the old world and how do i how do i mess up britonia or how do i get into the empire and totally torch that place okay and it's horrible it's backstabbing i mean it's one of those games where if you have a thin skin right you should pass oh you should not play that game no how many people play that game four uh, or five or so it technically can play with three i'm not okay. uh, but i don't recommend that for people who've never played before right uh, if you've never played it before start with four and just play the base game out of the box mm-hmm. an expansion came out last year that upped it to five and okay after you've got a couple of games under your belt five is really exciting okay so, and you're just essentially just 
like backstabbing the hell out of the other chaos gods and then oh, yeah. also affecting the board. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay. And, it is, oh. and I, I almost felt bad because I, <laughs> I, I taught it to three new people yesterday. And then you completely annihilated them? I, I did win, but that's not why I felt bad. Why I felt <laughs> okay. bad was the other two of the other players who had never played before just kept beating up on the third new guy. And the poor guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, the poor guy was sitting there going, I don't understand. I'm not doing well. Why do you keep hurting me? Well, and that's the other thing is, is, is if you play a game and you're not, and, and it's the, there's two things. Like if you don't play games and people gang up on you with crazy fervor, that's what you might be doing is breaking a future gamer. Yeah. Is what you might be doing. You want to be very careful if you want to lure them in like a bird to hand. Come try a little, <laughs> little, little, little pebble. Yeah. Try making a little breadcrumb trail of, I hope you win the first time you play apples to apples or guillotine or citadels or, yeah. you know, some of those settlers or, yeah. I mean, if you win that type of thing, then it's not. Have you played that, was- that red planet? Have you played that game? I have. I have played that. That's that one where you you have rockets. Yeah, you're loading up rockets full of settlers to Mars, right? Right. That's it. That was an okay game. It's yeah, it's okay. I I played it the first time. Random pickup gaming group in North Carolina. Okay. I was visiting family and I was <laughs> bored out of my mind. You go down to the basketball. You know, it's just like guys going down to the basketball courts to pick up a game. You go off. Where did you go to find a pickup game in uh, North Carolina? Where else? The internet. I went online <laughs> and I, I Googled for where I was. Uh, okay. Uh, and I, I just looked for gaming groups in North Carolina and I found one that happened to be meeting and I emailed them and they said, hey, uh, I'm I'm in the state for a couple of days. Could I join you guys? And they said, sure. Please. Yeah. And there's were- nobody more friendly to, quite honestly. I've, I've been invited to take place in some sort of gaming in New York City when I'm there. And I'm like, I would love to, but I don't know if I have any free time. I'm doing shows every night. And- but these guys were so hospitable. I mean, just really, really nice. Yeah. And I, it's been a couple of years now, so I don't remember any of their names. But if you are Dork Forest listeners yes, and you remember this random guy named Graydon, that's right, that you let Graydon come Schlichter. to your gaming table one night, we played Red Planet. I don't remember what else we played. Uh, and I think I even squeaked out a victory in that game. It's the only time I've ever won. <laughs> I've played right. that one a couple of times and, yeah, right. and never since. It's there's games that I never win, but I still like, but they're not as much like uh, P- Pandemic and um, that Lord of the Rings yeah. cooperative game. Oh, yeah. Those ones. I almost never win, but they're so awesome that I play them anyway. I'll play them anytime. Small yeah. World is good. I don't usually win Small World, but yeah. I don't care. I have a better chance of winning Small World <laughs> just because I know when to go into decline. I know when to hold them. I know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. I know when to walk away. <laughs> And I know when to run. <laughs> yeah, which is really important in Small World. I unfortunately, uh, we played Small World a couple days ago, actually, at the Adlers, and uh, I did not do very well. That'll happen. That'll happen. <laughs> what I like about Enigma, too, is that, and and um, and most of the Enigmans I know who have kids are raising their kids with, yeah, you're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to lose. It's just a board game. Try not to get a lot of self-esteem out of whether or not you win. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? I don't want to have to fight with you because you're four years old and you want to cheat at Candyland, which... Young young uh, Bernard Adler never does. He's a good kid. Oh, he's amazing. He's a he's a board game prodigy genius. I don't know how much you've talked about him on your show before. We never have talked about him, uh, but uh, he he could come on. He wants to come on. He wants to talk about uh, trains oh, and yeah. uh, and fancy cars. He's he's recently turned nine and yeah. is in love with Lamborghinis or some damn thing that I I don't know anything about. But I would like to do a series of tiny child dorkdoms. Oh yeah, and. Everyone that you guys know has kids now. Yeah, and, so, that, and they're all pretty good kids, actually. Bernard, by the way, also... Raise a, a kid to be a dork. That's how you do it. Oh, yeah. He's also a game designer. What did he do? Well, he's worked on a couple of games with his dad, and I haven't played them yet. I've only seen... Ah, uh, no, that's not true. I did play... He made a race car game, actually, where okay. it was all about racing around the track. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing you have to do is you roll a die to see which car dealership you show up at. <laughs> And so maybe you get a Porsche uh, or a Lamborghini, which are really fast, but right. a little reckless. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you get a Toyota Camry, which is not as fast, but boy, is it reliable. It is incredibly reliable. The the I, That's my dream car, you know, the 97 Toyota Camry. Yeah. A lot of people say, dare to dream bigger. But a 97 Camry, those things, those last forever. They're still running, 97 Camrys. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like I like that you're working on that the card game for Kingdom of Loathing. That's neat. And then the Stack It game, which looks to be like a wooden puzzly kind of game. Oh yeah. Hey, can I can I shake the pieces around near the mic? Yes. Yes. Let's uh let's let's get some sound effects. I know. Hey Patrick, I hope this is all right. 
I know that this is only radio, and you guys can't see this, but that gives you a sense. There might be an image, right? Oh, yeah, there's absolutely an image. I will, I will link on the, on the notes. So, yeah, what we've got here is it's a box of wooden pieces. You want me to talk about the gameplay? Sure. Should I do that? All right. It's, uh, I will show you at the same time. It looks like Jenga, but a uh, lot more round pieces. <laughs> yeah. So one of the ways that, that we've described this game to people is it's sort of inverse Jenga. Because with Jenga, you've got that tower, and everybody's pulling pieces off. And if you knock down the tower, you lose, right? Right. So it's sort of a similar idea. In in Stack It, you start with this piece that looks sort of like a pedestal. Right. Uh, and then players take turns choosing any piece they want out of what's left and putting it on top of the of the pile, right? So right. you might do that right. with this square block thing. And the, the rule is every piece that you add has to touch the last piece that was added. Oh, interesting. So, okay. So, you know, I might have to uh, take this flower pot looking thing and put right. it on top of the block. Now, the next thing I, I add has to touch the flower pot. Oh, it has to touch it the flower to. pot. Now, there are a bunch of ways you could do it, right? You could take this clothespin looking thing. Okay, and this is kind of awesome because it has whoop. it's it's there's a pedestal. Oh, and if you drop it in your placement, is that uh, some sort of trouble? If the only thing that falls is the piece that you were adding, mm-hmm. you're okay. Okay, you can you can pick it back up and you can try again. Okay, because so you because <laughs> you dropped it and yeah. when you did. But so what we have here is we have a pedestal, we have a, a, a regular rectangular block, we have a flower pot, and we have a clothespin. Yeah. You also seem to have an egg, a spool, um, some triangly looking business a tiny marbly looking super ball size one a star uh awesome this looks really fun it it is it is a ton of fun and basically what you do is uh if you if when you add a piece everything collapses yeah uh then you're out right so and then so in a two-player game that means the other person won right um, oh. but in a and in a three-player game it means you're gonna have to play a little bit longer until two people go out Right. That's an irritant. What I just put is I tur- ma- turned your um, your flower pot into a mortar and pestle. You did. Uh, and now it's got to somehow touch the mortar and pestle. So check this out. Oh, I'll there's. Take the, I'll oh. take the marble. Yep. And I will just drop it in right like that. <laughs> All right. And now I somehow have to touch that marble. <laughs> that's right. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Uh, all right, I put that, which I don't know. Essentially, this is going to fall over very quickly. Is that yeah. what I'm learning? Yep. It's it, the game does not take long. If if people are really good, it could take several minutes. But in general, you know, five to ten minutes. Oh my God, that is a very nice work with that dowel. Let me just say that. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, oh, oh, and I knocked it all over, and it's done. <sighs> yep, and that's stack that's then that's stack it. I like it because it's I I like that uh, there's like there's you know the the each of the different images are um each of the different blocks are sort of found objects too or or, or based on found objects in a house yep that was this was actually uh, it's one of my one of my partner's designs rich uh and it that was exactly how it came to be he was sitting around one day i think he was maybe at uh, at a hardware store or something and just getting other things that he needed for other things and he started noticing objects and he went huh I think there's a game here. Sure. Um, and so that, super fun. Yeah, that looks great. That's what. And it, so there's going to be a Kickstarter to produce that essentially, yes. right? Yep, that's exactly right. We're uh, so Evertide Games uh, is going to do a Kickstarter, and I will link the Kickstarter whatever if people want to donate to that. And EvertideGames.com probably will have. Yeah, there'll be some oh, information there. There should be some information uh, on Evertide. <laughs> Evertide Games also has a Facebook, so you can find Evertide oh, right. on Facebook. Uh, uh, it turns out Graydon Schlichter also has a, a, a Facebook. I do. If, uh, and you can find it at Graydon Schlichter. <laughs> oddly enough. Schlichter, S-C-L-H-S-C-H-L-I-C-T-E-R. So close. S-C-H-L-I-C-H-T-E-R. All right. That second H gets them every time. That does. That does. Crazy Germans. Germans? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good for me. Uh, good for me. Yep. Dad's side of the family is German as far back as we can tell. Um, mom's side of the family allegedly has some German in there somewhere. So I'm like 52% German. Well done. Well done. It's nice to, uh, I don't even know what to do with that information. At all. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stumped me. Stump the band. <laughs> Let's talk about LARPing. All right. Uh, Cause you also, you're willing to LARP. I am. I am. Uh, I come at it from, um, from my acting background. Okay. So for That's me- true. It's like a costume party with game mechanics and there's acting involved. Exactly. So- and and in fact, the more mechanics there are, uh, tends to be the less fun uh, the LARPs are. Or at least I say, I should, what I should say is the more prominent the mechanics are. 
okay. less fun that a game tends to be for me because I'm an actor. Because because, because you're not really creating the character as you go. It's, it, it's an improv situation, right? Right. And the more you have to think about and be worried about the mechanics, the less easily you can just sort of slip into character. What's one of your favorite ones that you did? Uh, let's see. One of my favorite LARPs. This is a live action role playing game. So you dress in costume, you create your costume, you create your character, right? Mm-hmm. Like essentially whoever's running that game says, we're going to do a game and it's going to be set on a planet where everyone lives underground and there's very little gravity. What is your <laughs> character in that situation? Exactly. Uh, you know what? So if I had to pick one just out of thin air, sure. um, it was, uh, I believe the name of the game was uh, End of Days. Okay. Uh, it was a live game done by Christian Brown. Okay. Uh, whom you know. Yeah, you yeah. Know he's Christian. doing that Starship Valkyrie live action role playing game. He is. Yeah, he's got this online. I will this link you. Serial. And by the way, it's public. You can join in. You, oh. I, I think it's like 20 bucks to pay for the space. And then you show up and get to play Valkyrie. And it's a, it's a Star Trek y kind of thing. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's a, it's a, he's got a whole Starship crew and there's an engineering department and a That was my department. first LARP. I played a doctor. Nice. I uh, I did what I could. There you go. Yeah. And Christian does – in all of his games, he does a wonderful job of creating very elaborate uh, structures and systems within the game. Which okay. is why I had such a great time with End of Days. Uh, it was a fantasy game where the characters were all sort of – sort of like the, the UN of Middle Earth almost uh, because we were in this city that was going to be attacked by – I think it was an orcish invasion. Okay. Uh, and – we all had to sort of work together to pool our resources to come up with a plan to defend the city. And if we did that well, uh, then, you know, we'd be able to defend the city. But the problem is we're not just cogs in a machine. We all had uh, secondary and tertiary goals. And in some cases, players had goals that were more important to them than defending the city. Or in some cases, there were some players who actually wanted the city to fall. Okay. Were you in either of those two secondary characters? No. Uh, categories? I was I, – I wanted to protect the city, uh, although actually I guess it's fair to say that I had some competing goals. Because, sure. But what was your character? Uh, I was uh, a member of a, a, a short magical race because I'm short in real life, so – And get magical. I give it to you. I'll give it to you, Graydon. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Um, people sort of thought of me as kind of a leprechaun because I decided, uh, wisely or unwisely, to do an Irish accent for the game. <laughs> so the entire time, you know, I'm talking like this. Oh, Christ. And people oh had God. a great time with it. It's true. And I got made fun of immensely, uh, both in oh, yeah. game and after. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. Till this very day. Uh, I, know it, a, I know a comic. What the hell's his name? It's like Douglas. He's Irish. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, damn it. Whatever his name is, he says, you know, people who do Irish accents, stop it. And he says, only because they're almost always racist and offensive. I think there's a potato in me. I left my bomb in me potato sack or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I myself, uh, part uh, of Irish ancestry, so I have uh, no defense. I have no, de- I have no defense of any oh. accent I try to do. The only accent I've ever tried to do is, uh, is I do one guy accent and it's essentially every guy. Whenever they say, I'm like, hey, it's like this. This is how guys talk. Turns out almost no one talks like that except for Frank Sinatra in Guys and Dolls. Huh. And we go back to your story. Sorry about that. No, and, no, that's uh, okay. So you were uh, an Irish. Um, I was this little magical guy, very sneaky. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my people like were. Like the actual Irish. Yeah. Yes. What? Wait, wait no. No. Ah. Well, I have a little bit of Irish ancestry, so maybe I can. Maybe <laughs> you're going to can... go with your forty-eight. The other forty-eight percent is uh, is Irish. There you go. Nobody burned me alive. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm skating through on the anything offensive I say. I'm making fun of my own people. So please All don't right. hurt me. No, no, no one's going to hurt you. Um, They're going to blame me. But so they know better. We were there, or I was there, representing my people because we were not, you know, big strapping warrior types. We kind of needed other people to protect us in an open warfare kind of way, but we're super sneaky. Um, and small. So we're very good, very good scouts. And so, you know, I was sort of there to barter. Yes, you know, my people are willing to risk their lives scouting the enemy mm-hmm. as long as you guys do all of the, the actual fighting. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and so, so that, so that was your character. What were the game mechanics? Oh, so we, the, this was a game where the mechanics were not terribly transparent. Christian had established uh, a very elaborate set of rules for how the siege and attack would take place. But we sure. as the players had to think of it in verisimilitude terms, right? So he would tell us, you know, 
we if we scouted the enemy, he would tell us, oh, you see so many of these types of troops coming. But he didn't tell us, and that means that you need uh, X number of defensive troops or you need this special uh, bulwark defense or anything like that. We had to just think it through. Right, right. And so it was all about <clears throat> assembling guys and coordinating guys and telling Christian, all right, we've got uh, 200 elvish archers that we are stationing in the treetops so that, you know, when We're the horde We're going to call that Helm's Deep. Yeah. Good. That's good. Go. And and uh, that's in the public <laughs> domain, right? We can get a, uh, Sure. And of course, no elves at Helm's Deep. But go ahead. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, there were there were things like that. We had to think about the strategy. But basically, Christian was sort of the computer that the data gets fed into. And then he decides what happens. Okay. You know, whether a wall gets breached because we didn't have enough people on that side. Right. Because he, he gives you the stats of incoming. You make a decision of your stats of matching. And then he essentially puts those two things on top of each other and goes, well, that's what happens when that happens. Yep. And he had a board set up in a room that we as players never got to see. Okay. That he was moving things around almost like a game of risk or axis and allies mm -hmm. so as we moved our troops around he was moving his troops around and then there would be you know special events right you know so oh, he loves a special event oh he's yeah. got special events in valkyrie yeah no he does he does a fantastic job of what i call set pieces in games which are these these moments or these these settings that they don't necessarily last the entire length of the game, but they're, they're, they, they highlight something really, really well. And so, you know, in Valkyrie, it might be uh, a, a videotaped message, a distress call from another starship that gets played over and over again on a loop. And, you know, you're sitting there on the bridge of the Valkyrie or of the Sigrin or one of the other ships going, we need to help these people because it just keeps playing. It just keeps playing on a loop oh, and right. it drives you a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the, in the end of Days game, he would do things like you know, the bad guys would would uh, summon a, a huge demon to send against us. Right. And, you know, we had to petition the, the high clerist to use his holy magic to protect the city. And we had to convince him that it was more important for him to banish the city than it was for him to reserve his powers and the powers of his clerics for healing later. Because, you know, now, they, how, how do you do that? Are you doing that with cards or dice or in the game? How do you manifest how you do it that? So, uh. The High Clarist was a PC. So it was, it was basically negotiating with another player saying, player look, this character. is more important. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, his, his default setting was, you know, we need to save our power to heal the wounded in the battle because right. the preservation of life is sacred. And we had to prevail upon him. Look, there won't be any wounded for you to heal later if you don't banish this demon first because right. he will torch the city. Right. So it was a negotiation. In that case, it was just a PC on PC negotiation. Exactly. But were there, are there anything like dice or cards or anything in that game? There were special power cards. And so Christian, once we. It's mostly just um, direct working with different people. Exactly. And Most... then occasionally you'd have a special power card. Exactly. Because like I said, there were some double agents in the group. And so there was room for conflict between the players. We weren't right. this homogenous, unified uh, force. <laughs> sure, everybody's a person. And so we all, uh, after we gave Christian, each player gave Christian, you know, this is kind of what I'd like to play. Christian went through and designed special powers for each player. Okay. Oh, right. Because so. you submit what your character is before the game. Exactly. You say, this is my character. This is their motivation. Here's their backstory. These are their powers. And then the game designer or the game master or whatever says, I approve these. Yep. You know, my name is Christian Brown and I approve this message, <laughs> right? That'll be fine, right? Yep. Well, and particular one of the big differences between live live gaming, LARPs right. and tabletop gaming is in live games, generally speaking, you feed the GM the concept and the GM handles the mechanics, right? Okay. So I said, I'm this sneaky, charismatic, little magical guy, right? you know, and Christian said, okay, well, I've got a race in the game that, that that matches. So you'll be one of these types of people. And here are your four special powers that you can use during the game. Okay. So I had... But like in a tabletop game, you create the character out of a book usually, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. There's okay. a rule set and you pick, you pick everything. Okay. And it depends. Some games are more detail oriented and you can spend hours or days and require multiple <laughs> spreadsheets <laughs> to make your character. And some games are... As much as you little. As much or as little as you want to spend. There exactly. you go. What's well, one of the great things about the gaming hobby, right, mm -hmm. is that it spans this whole breadth. So if somebody says they're a gamer, yeah, that's not a lot of information yet. No, no, it's 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 all it's like saying I do stand up comedy. Yeah, it's not enough information. It's uh, really, do you do? Um, are you a sumo wrestler who does caustic one liners, which is a line from Maria Bamford's act? <laughs> 
uh, or <laughs> are you a wiggly shouty dude? Which is a uh, line from my own. Nice. And because it could be any kind of standard, because any there's any kind of gamer. I mean, you could just be a casual gamer. You could mean I play poker online like a crazy person and make a living at it, and make a living <laughs> at it, or lose my house. One of those two things, right? Yeah. I mean, it can go either way. If, like <laughs> gambling is a game, mm-hmm. and people who love to game love to sometimes love to gamble. Oh, in fact, yeah. Uh, quick aside from from the history of gaming. So you mentioned Magic: The Gathering, yes, which is a card, a collectible card game. Started that genre, came out uh, early '90s. I have some fan art. So, uh, a, a guy made a, a couple of Magic: The Gathering cards of of stills of me, which and then is one other what guy you use on Twitter, right? That's my it. Twitter avatar. Yep. But then this other guy came on and he was like, "Like, damn it, I can't remember anybody's name right now." But he came on and he said. Yeah, that would actually have a black border, and that is actually an artifact. That's not a creature or a sorcery spell. Or I was like, "Well, you fix it and send me that that art, and then I'll oh, I'll replace funny. it." And so he did. But when this game was first being played, uh, the rules in the box said uh, each player has a deck of cards, and the first thing you do before you start playing the game is each player draws the top card from their deck and put it aside, and that's the ante. And the winner of the game gets both of those cards. Oh, that's right. I remember that. That's how it started. Because I started playing Magic the Gathering in like 94 or 95 because the guy who booked my home comedy club at the time, Greg Langer, who I think works for Wizards of the Coast right now, uh, who Very went nice. on went on from being a comedy booker to a guy who works for Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> and he um, he played Magic. And so I wanted to work at his comedy club. And it turns out I'm a dork chameleon. So I said, who are you playing? I'll play that. <laughs> Is that something where we could become friends and then I would get to work at your comedy club? Yes. Very nice. Yes, it is. And now he's living in my sister's house in Minneapolis. She has a rental property. That's small right. Small world. The smallest, except for that he emailed me and said he was looking for a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> less small when he ask, actually asks. But yeah. Um, so the ga- the thing that's funny is... That this- was the ante. Yeah. And... This actually got uh, caused problems in schools when oh, when kids were playing, right. and even some states had, wasn't it like a, the old marbles when you played marbles, you would play for a marble, wouldn't yeah. it? Back in the back in the twelfth century, when when people <laughs> were children, but there were schools and even like some some city and state governments who looked at this and said, "Oh, uh, that's gambling. You, you that's that's illegal gambling, right?" And because, you know, it's, it's, uh, the definition is random chance and that, uh, with some sort of win. Exactly. Right. And the game is somewhat random because you're drawing cards, just like uh, Mm -hmm. poker or whatever. And there's something to gain the cards. And some of these cards, even back then, would go for 20, 50, or $100. There are cards now that go for thousands of dollars. Right. Remember that card? Um, Langer told me about this is there was a card that, uh, much like, uh, Risk Legacy. There's a card that you rip up yep. and scatter across the board and every and everything it touches is no longer in the game. It just gets nuked. Yep. It's and called Chaos Confetti. <laughs> is a Chaos Confetti. Is it really called that? Yeah. It okay. was it was a it was sort of a joke card from um uh from a set that they did called Unglued. Now it was based on one of the original cards, which was called Chaos Orb. Uh, which, that was it. Yeah. But the original one, you didn't have to tear up. No, no, you weren't supposed to tear it right. up. Somebody did it. Someone tore it up in a, in a tournament, a, tournament, a yep. giant tournament. In order to win. And there was no rule against it at the time. <laughs> exactly. And I think everybody was very furious using Prodigy or some other very early version of the interwebs. Uh, oh, like, um, uh, what was the, the precursor to AOL? Like Quickster. Or something like Quickstar. Right. And, and it was Prodigy and Quickstar and, and everything with a green screen behind it. it was, uh, we were all living in war games. So, uh, good times. Would you like to play a game? I would. I would like to play a game. So, so that was a fun game. And then when the last time, and then my phone rings sometimes in the middle of the show. <laughs> So tell people about your character in Deadwood. Mm. Oh, yeah. So Deadwood is this – you've probably talked about it a bit on the show already, but it's it's a live game that, that you and Andy host here. And it's inspired by the Deadwood TV show that was on for a couple of seasons, had some great guys like uh, Timothy Oliphant and I think Ian McShane was on there. Um, and it's all about a frontier town in the Old West uh, on what was then unincorporated land. So – 
uh, it was a bunch of people who maybe wanted to make money as prospectors or they were they had finished out their term in the military and wanted who their wants to be a land. whore with a heart of gold. Yeah, we had a few of those in the game, too, actually. As yeah, I, yeah. Well, at least at, at least one, at least one whore with a heart of gold and a number of other um, professional women. We're also in the game, as I recall. Um, you were an innkeeper, if I remember correctly. I was. So I, um, if you've seen the show, there's that guy. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, who has the uh, uh, the hotel in town, and it's got a casino. Right, and and none of the characters were based on anybody from the show except for Wild Bill Hickok. Right. Yeah. Well, Andy every- never did find anyone to play yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all it's all happening before the show begins, anyway. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's Deadwood, but it's mostly dirt. And the, at the start of the game, the only permanent structures were uh, my hotel and the blacksmith. And everything else was a tent or just a patch of dirt that it didn't have anything yet. Right. Um, and so my character, he's he's very charming, I guess. People like him. His motivation's a little murky. Is he a good guy? Maybe. He's done some good things. He's about to get himself elected mayor. Oh, there um, you go. Very reluctantly, I might add. Um, people just keep telling him, we need you to do this. And he said, well, <laughs> if the town needs me. Right, right. <laughs> Gee, some people are chosen. That's how it is. Yeah, some people. Some people put themselves in the line to be chosen. <laughs> some people seek greatness. Some people have greatness thrust upon them. Uh-huh. And some people just plant enough seeds and... Eventually, greatness is uh, somehow handed to them. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough life. It is. It is hard. But I, I, I like that game, though. Of course, because of Deadwood, there's so much cursing and racial slurs mm. that um, when Richard Becker and uh, might have been Ian, who who, who played? Uh, oh, Ray. Richard it was Ray. Ray. It was Ray. Yeah, and Ray is a history teacher by day, and a gamer every other moment of the moment, and a uh, rugby player on the weekends. Oh, that's right. He plays a little rugby. <laughs> But they wanted to have, uh, they were Civil War veterans that were those, their characters. And they wanted to have a bar. Uh, but since that was my, really the first LARP that we had here that I was any part of, they also, in my opinion, wanted to stand outside my back door and say racial things. <laughs> and I was like, hey, why don't you take that live role playing, uh, which is a little too historically accurate and stick it in the garage. And so we had to move their bar into the garage uh, yeah. because it was a little too they were, they were living it up. Yeah. No, it's funny you should say that, actually. Um, I struggled with that when uh, at, at every game, actually, because. I'm I'm not much of a cursor in real life. I, you know, when I had a young age, my mother washed my mouth out with soap the first time I went on a spree, and I never really got a taste for it after that. Sure, and and the thing is, is even in Deadwood, there were people who didn't curse. I mean, remember the uh, uh, the the hardware store owner who wasn't Timothy Oliphant? <laughs> right. He uh, he was not a cursor. Yeah, he was and, a, just a nice young man. And so that was sort of the the niche that I had to fall into because I. Even even playing a role in a live game, I struggle with that. Which is the funny thing is, traditional acting, not a problem. Oh right, if it's in the script, yeah. I just you know it's not a problem. You can for cuss me. it up, live it up. A uh, good friend of mine is actually he's studying film here in L.A. And Saturday morning asked me to uh, come into his his directing for the screen class, and we did a scene from The Big Lebowski. A lot of cursing in that movie. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the oeuvre of Jeff Bridges, <laughs> right? Um, but, and I, I looked at the script and I thought, wow, I'm going to be cursing a lot. And that was the last time I thought about it. <laughs> right. Well, there's, uh, yeah, I suppose it's, uh, there's nothing to be done. It's a, it's an acting part. That's what I always, um, I, whenever I think about the very little, I, you know what? I'm going to actually take this entire sentence back because I've done so little <laughs> acting. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, uh, that's why I think... But I, uh, in, a, in a separate aside, I'll say people who are all worried about, like, Neil Patrick Harris playing a straight man hmm. or uh, what's his name on Will and Grace playing a gay man. Actually, no one worried about that. Everybody was like, well, everyone's a little bit gay. But gay guys, there's no way they're a little bit straight. And for some reason, there seems to be some bossy magoo going on about, about you know, <laughs> nobody has any problem with the straight guy playing gay. It's because yeah. – of that terrible accent that is done by so many people on stage of the classic gay guy accent where you're like, that's fantastic. Why don't you keep writing? And, uh, but the, but for some reason with, and, and Neil Patrick Harris, I think is doing an excellent job of dispelling that, you know? Oh, yeah. He's, so I had somehow missed 
um, missed the announcement. His, <laughs> yes, the, the the announcement of his coming out or whatever. You know, like it's because I hadn't. I missed all of his work in between Doogie Howser and How I Met Your Mother and Starship Troopers. You didn't oh, see him in Starship Troopers. I, I did, but I try not to blame anyone for those movies. I mean, um, <laughs> oh, Starship Troopers. That is a movie on cable that I will watch at any point, at any given moment. I will go. Oh, Starship Troopers is on. <laughs> Same, unfortunately, and not even as good. Uh, the movie Independence Day, uh-huh. which is crap as well, but I like Starship Troopers better, even though it has nothing to do with the Heinlein book, little or nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've heard. I, I need to circle back and actually read the book. But so I hadn't been following his career or any of his news, and then I started watching How I Met Your Mother, which was absolutely brilliant and is still pretty fun. Yeah, it's a super fun sitcom, right? Yeah, and he plays the biggest hound dog that has ever been on television. Right. He is constantly chasing women. He is using the cheesiest lines. Somehow, you know, he he. It's a numbers game to him. He may not uh, take home every woman that he hits on, but if you hit on ten women a night, right, you're you're gonna get some numbers, right? The numbers <laughs> will go up. That's how my father has lived his entire life. It's all a numbers game to him. <laughs> He's like, it's it's a sales technique. You know what? No doesn't mean no. No means try again. Yeah. And uh, so, but the great thing, um, and I will I will say this because uh, my father has, and I might have told this before on the Dork Forest, which is that my father hit on Maria Bamford uh, at our, uh, my wedding. Really? Yes. My father loves a blonde woman in her early to mid-30s. Late 20s, if he can get it, I'm sure. But uh, he loves a, a very small blonde woman. He thinks that the that is a, might possibly be his type. Ah. Because he hit on her and he hit on uh, my other friend Rochelle, who is a very beautiful uh, blonde woman. But she, I believe, was in her, was in her 40s at mm. that time, which my father traditionally has said is too old for him. Oh. My father is 74. Anyway. Aim high. Aim high. Well, in my, in my father's case, he's like, well, as long as I'm doing it, I might as well <laughs> get on the thing that I want to actually talk to. And But the great thing about – and what Maria has said about my father's <laughs> flirting skills is she's like, it's always vaguely flattering. It's uncomfortable because he's your dad, but he doesn't ever <laughs> – he doesn't ever touch you, mm. and he doesn't – it's not like he's touching your shoulder or your creepy elbow. He's just – you know, he's making it clear, and and he doesn't ever say anything super overt. Right. But you can tell – she said, you can tell that he's hitting on you. The offer is there. The offer is on the table, and it is it is being done in a very subtle, very professional manner that makes you think about it. She said – not that I would have ever thought about it, but I thought to myself, well, if I were in the market – for a gentleman, <laughs> this might be, I mean, that is an actual, she said it was an attractive offer. He puts it in a very attractive huh. way. Maybe he should do classes. Oh, <laughs> if he could, he could do, he could do classes on almost anything, quite honestly, because even if he doesn't have the information, he has an opinion. Oh, good. Much like this show. <laughs> and, uh, who doesn't? So what would you recommend, um, besides, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're getting to the, to the time. It's been almost an hour, my friend. Wow. I know it does go quickly, does it? <laughs> Doesn't it? Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to put in my plug now to have me back then because I'm having a great time. I oh, can't yeah, believe yeah. it's over. Of course. No, it's not over. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. But we should, we should talk about things that you do want to plug. I mean, we've talked about the, the games. Yep. Evertidegames.com. And we've talked about the Kickstarter campaign, which will be linked on Evertide Games and, and probably in the notes. And, um, Perfect. if I can find the link, which I'm sure I'll be able to, it turns out. <laughs> and, but and then the games that you like, the chaos in the old world is one oh, of yeah. them. It's a great one. That's fantastic. And what about and any sort of books or movies or games or anything else that you'd like to suggest for the listeners? They love they love a suggestion. Oh, good. All right. Well, I, I've got a couple of those. I'll kick them out. Some of these are a little dated, uh, but if you if you like uh, well written, and I mean like so well written that it probably defies being in the fantasy genre well written ooh literature uh it's true uh it, there's a guy named Patrick Rothfuss Rothfuss and he's got the first two books of the series are out and i guess the third one is coming out sometime in the future oh, uh i got to wait till he's not dead I, and well, no, no, the thing is done but fortunately he's young so at least our odds are good here <laughs> right um, is it r o t h f u s s rothfuss yes and what's the name of the first book? The uh, name of the first book is The Name of the Wind. Oh, I read that. Hi. <laughs> the Name of the Wind was great. Yeah, isn't it? It was really... 
<laughs> and he is not dead. The name of the wind. And then the second one I bought for um for Andy's dad's wife, and I did not buy for myself. Matter of fact, huh. the wise name. man's fear. The wise man's. Yep. How was the wise man's fear? Uh, it was good. It, it was, was good. Yeah, because I've, the name of the wind was actually fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And really I, uh, well I have written. the wise man's fear, so I'll have oh, to loan it to you. Please do. Um, but yeah, it was it was also very good. Uh, he spent, I think, he said. 20 years working on the name of the wind, just refining it. And you and know, yet he is a young man. He's, How old he's, is he? he's pretty young. He's, I think 30s? he's in his thirties. Yeah. He's a, he's a college professor. So right. he, he teaches. Um, okay. And, but he's been working on this for a while and uh, going through a lot of revisions. So the name of the wind was just an incredibly well-crafted. It was a well-crafted, know. wonderful story. Yeah. And the wise men's fear picks up the story and pushes it forward. And it's also very good. I'm not sure that anybody, uh, who has ever lived could have written a, a follow up to the name of the wind that was as good because it was so good. Right. Um, but I still very much enjoyed wise men's oh, fear. And I'm definitely looking forward to the sequel. And a, how many books did he say are in it? I think it's only three. It's the, the oh, King Killer Chronicles. And I believe it's a trilogy. That's right. Okay. Thank God. So. Because. Essentially, we're we're learning about the history of this young sorcerer, and he is an innkeeper at this time, telling it in the past tense. Yeah, it's this first person, uh, like pseudo biographical narrative storytelling yeah. kind of thing. It's pretty great, and it's you, you want this guy to actually be local because you want I mean, the character. I mean, because yeah. you want to be able to go to his inn and listen to him tell stories. Yeah, because he's a master. The, the character is a masterful storyteller, which, and it's a really well written. You're right. It is a very very well written book. I didn't know what I was in for when I read it, and an author that I think uh, Rothfuss actually turned me on to, uh, a guy named Peter Brett. Uh, has a series, and I'm spacing the name of the series, but the first book is uh, called The Warded Man. Warded, W-A-R-D? Yep, W-A-R-D-E-D. Uh, and it is... Another great one? I, it's it's also really good. It's it's also very well written. Uh, and it's sort of a, a fantasy horror hybrid story. Ooh, is it scary? It's pretty, it's pretty scary. All um, right. So those of you who enjoy being afraid briefly in a, a in a book form... Yeah. The Warded Man by Peter Brett. Yeah. So, and it's a bit of a series. Uh, yeah. This, he's, there are two books out in that one, plus a couple of short stories. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the third one there. And then the final one, and this is super dated, because uh, I bet all of your listeners are going to sit here and say, well, of course I've read this. No. Uh, and that is The Harry Dresden Files by... Uh, oh, I've only read the first one, and I didn't like it. You know, a lot of people say that. And but I heard that he gets he's, he, his writing style is better. As he goes along. Yeah. Oh, it, it's sort of like J.K. Rowling, you know? <laughs> Not that I didn't, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, the first couple of Harry Potter books are, are very light mm -hmm. and not very, they're just, they're pretty, they're okay written, but they're yeah. not as well written. Yeah. As the uh, later ones. But I would, so it's a guy named Jim Butcher. I would yeah. love him to go back and sort of refine the first book because so many people, uh, have said this. Uh, I didn't really care for the first book. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't love the first book either, but, uh, I had seen the TV series and so I thought I'd, I'd give him, oh, you give him a better chance. Yeah. I figure I'd give him, I'd give him a, a couple of books to see okay. where it goes. And he, he really finds his voice. I'm willing uh, to, I'm willing to do that. It's and a it's a great story too, uh, in, in the sense that where the, where the book came from. Cause basically he was trying, he wanted to write fantasy. He wanted to write traditional fantasy. And of course the Harry Dresden stuff is urban fantasy. Uh, and basically he was in a writing class and the writing teacher said, look, this urban fantasy stuff is going really well. You should try that. And, and Butcher wrote the first Harry Dresden novel sort of in response to this to say, you know what? This urban fantasy stuff is no good. Let me, let me write an urban fantasy I'll novel. I'll show you. Yeah. Let me show. Nobody's going to care about this. Exactly. And it got picked up and they're now. Of course it did. You know, okay. 12. I, I've heard so many different writers say, well, I'll take that job. That's not what I want to do, but I'll take it because I need to pay my rent. They're going to back up a giant truck full of money up to my house. And, uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you end up doing it for seven years. And so it's, I mean, but, I mean, I didn't mind the character. I just thought it was – it had holes in it and it was kind of crappy. Yeah. But in the on the whole, like I like – I, you know who the character reminded me of? And tell me that it changes and I'll read the next one is the leper guy, the Thomas Covenant. Oh, really? That's interesting. So I, I couldn't read the Covenant books. I, I read the – I got about halfway through the first one. I read one. three of them and <laughs> I don't know how many there are, but I'll tell you, I kept trying to go – Wait, why is this guy mad that someone's given him the blue pill and he gets to get out of his leper world? And, <laughs> and have all this magical power? Right, right. What, what's the problem? <laughs> so I didn't care for the Thomas Covenant books at all. 
Uh, so I would say that... But I know people who love to love them. Like, love oh, them to the... Absolutely. Yeah. The reason that I read it was because a director said, oh, you like fantasy stuff. You, you should... And he was a director who had the potential to cast me. So, of course, I'm going to read the Of the course, much like me. Magic the Gathering. And then... And the world that is created that he lives in, where he is all-powerful and, mm-hmm. and is their savior, is awesome. You know, he gets to be a Treyu. Why wouldn't you want to yeah. stay there? I, but yeah. I guess I get it. You're pissy. You're a little pissy. <laughs> Fantastic. So, but here's the thing. Uh, to answer your question, I, I didn't like those books and I love the Dresden series. Okay. So, How many are there of the Dresden? Is uh, it Terry Pratchett? No, 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 not quite. And the, the end, there is a, an end point, right? Oh, there nice. Are, there are 12 novels out now, one collection of short stories and one, uh, precursor graphic novel, which okay. is also pretty fun. And he has said that, um, he's got about eight 18 books total in the the arc of right. the story and then a three book like capstone like it's going to take him three books to do the final hurrah and then it's done okay so um that's still something like 22 books yeah it'll so, be it'll it'll be pretty good but i'll tell you he can buy land it'll all work out oh yeah no yeah. he's he's doing well and uh for for people who are uh old school ish uh dorks the first Eight or ten of the books were done as audiobooks by uh, James Marsters, Spike from Buffy. Right. I tried to listen to it. Uh, the But the thing is, is he's breathing in a lot of it. Was that Spike? Yeah. Yeah, because I listened to the first one and he kept... <sighs> Really? Yeah, there was some there was voiceover issues, Mr. Voiceover Actor. Oh, I, that's that's troubling. I've never listened to them, but I, I mean, he's a great actor. So right that and that may not have been his fault. That could be editing, because wow. you can take that out. It turns out. Yeah. No, not everything has to be the shrimp ring episode of the Dork Forest. Oh. Graydon Schlichter, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jackie. This has been fantastic. It has. Uh, for some reason, fun. we're shaking hands. <laughs> you can't see it. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time, because there'll be more. Have a good one. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?